Welcome to Nobody Told Me That, your source for candid business talk and stories. Your host is speaker and author Teresa Duncan. Sit back, buckle up, and hang on. Okay, we're back for another episode. I've got Kevin Henry on the line with me again. He seems to be my constant partner in crime here. What's shaking, Kevin? You know, it's all good in the hood every time I can chat it up with you and uh, looking forward to another round of uh, fun here. I almost said what's shaking bacon, but I thought that uh, would get you like too I, excited. You are the bacon master. I, I do like bacon. I've got any, any pork products I will absolutely take in a heartbeat. Did anybody send you like the bacon air freshener because you went through a period where everybody knew you as the bacon man yeah yeah did anybody and that, send you that uh no i i've had bacon gum i've had bacon deodorant which is impressive uh not air freshener though i may have to check that out how is bacon gum you know bacon gum's not good i've got to be <laughs> honest with you it's 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 like it's like chewing on smoke uh you know but uh it was the thought that counts i'm gonna leave it at that now, are you a Harry Potter fan? Uh, you know, I've never seen one minute of any of those movies. Oh my gosh! I think my I, know. I think my boys will have a word for you when they see you <laughs> next time. So, so what the interesting thing about uh, Harry Potter is there's a there's a candy store, and the flavors are not normal flavors. The flavors are like boogers and like oh. black tar and oh, nice. you know in like yeah. band-aid and stuff like like it's really <laughs> gross stuff right so we, we were at universal and of course we have to go to harry potter because that's just what my boys are made of and sure. we go into the store it's olivander's wand shop and across from that is where you can get the candy but you <laughs> so we bought a box of this candy and we're sitting there, and my son just keeps feeding me. How's this? How does fart taste? Oh, jeez. <laughs> you don't know what it was. Taste? Oh, it was. But there, some of them were okay, but for the, but honestly, the majority of them were just awful. But they're selling left and right. So, you know, marketing is a thing. Marketing there, is a thing. There, there will always be young boys who say, I can eat boogers. Or, yes. Uh, so, good for them. Hey. Yes, I, I happen to have one of those. So, uh, we, <laughs> our, our most used toy one year was the Minion Fart Gun. <laughs> awesome. And if you have any anybody who has fart humor, that is probably hands down the best present you can get them. So, it's that, $20. Well, yeah. Go go get a fart gun because with, you know. with the holidays coming up, I'll have to keep that in mind. Uh, so. <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll put that in the show notes for your uh, <laughs> yeah, for please. Your that'd, be, that'd be great. You know, my uh, my dad uh, and we're getting off on a tangent, but my dad has rediscovered the whoopee cushion and how wonderful it can be, and he <laughs> he cracks himself up with it. Is the fun part of it? So. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. There are some patients when they come into the in the operatory. How fun would it be to just throw that under when they sit oh, in on the chair? Yeah, oh, April, April Fool's Day, absolutely, or you know, any day for that matter. But still, I was yeah. just going to say, with a whoopee cushion, every day is April Fool's Day. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, <laughs> um, all right. So we were talking uh, about before we got on the podcast. We were kind of bouncing around ideas, and the one thing that we really kind of got stuck on was. Um, interviews because everybody's looking for a job or you know they're either interviewing somebody for a job but interviews we kind of just we brought it up and then we said oh yeah that needs to be talked about absolutely um, so how how painful of a point is our interviews in the dental industry oh 
in my opinion, I think it's a huge pain point. I don't think anybody likes to do it, and I think that a lot of times people short-circuit their own interviewing attempts just because they want to get it done as quick as possible and just get a warm body into the operatory or into the front desk. And that's the worst thing you can possibly do, you know, is just to, to get it over with. And then all of a sudden, about two days later, you realize, oh, this wasn't a good idea. Uh, but, but I think it's a huge pain point. And I think turnover in the industry as a whole is a huge pain point uh, because ultimately it leads to the interviews, the job searches, and the things that dentists always feel like, that's not why I went to school. I didn't go to be an HR guy or gal. And um, so, yeah, how about you? Well, I mean, honestly, as a manager, uh, the most time-consuming and the most emotional part of the job is the HR it's, it's always going to be the HR because it doesn't stop. I mean, when you're a manager, you not only have to hire the people, you know, down the road you're going to fire the people if they, you know, if they need it, but you have to continue to, um, you know, you've got to do all the disciplinary stuff. You've got to let them know the systems. You've got to keep them motivated. You've got to take care of all of the drama that pops up, those drama llamas that I like to oh, talk yeah. about in classes. And, and honestly, it's, it's exhausting. I can see why... Even medium-sized corporations have a dedicated HR person, not just for the paperwork, but for the, the brain work, the emotional work that comes with yeah. it. it. It's and, a mess. And, and for those of you in HR, God bless you, because that is not something I would ever want to have to you do. Are, you are uh, not kidding. You are uh, not kidding. And, and it's, it's you know, we, we always joke that the HR speakers, you know, the topic itself might be a little dry, but they have the best stories. Just, just oh, ask them to tell you a story. They have the best stories ever. And and when I started consulting, you know, I, I thought, oh, every HR story, you always think you're never going to hear one that's going to top it, and you always do. So there's yeah. just, it, it's a it's a never-ending supply of, I cannot believe I have to deal with this today. That's, that's really what it is. There, well, there has to be somewhere that, like, they try to top each other with stories, like an HR convention or something like that. I mean, now, oh, my That's God. a podcast. That's a podcast podcast to listen to so I might you know what maybe we should reach out I'll get Tim Twig on here I'll get Paul Paul Edwards on here um, you know those are the two companies that I, I really take yep. a look at you know Bent Erickson Tim's with Bent Erickson oh, yeah. Paul Edwards is with Cedar Solutions and you know they're both excellent in what they do but yeah you get you get Paul and Tim talking and it is just hilarious you know I had I, the, the oh sorry Kevin go ahead no, it's just, I, I think that whole conversation would be a whole lot of, oh, yeah, well, you know, and then and just one-upping each other. So uh, that would be interesting to hear. It would be, it would be worth it. Um, I had the, the pleasure of working with both of them um, up at the ADA. The ADA brought in a whole bunch of subject matter experts um, for regulatory compliance, and I was selected for that particular one um, as well as another, another two that I was there for. But Paul and Tim were part of this and I, th we broke, they broke us up into two different groups and I got to be in the group with Paul and Tim and they just, number one, they know their stuff. So it's, it's really amazing to sit there and just realize how deep the knowledge is, right, of the laws and, and plus you've got 50 different law, 50 different states um, that, and of course the district, um, that you that they have to take care of and, and know about, and so for them to know the specifics of all these different states and be able to just rattle it off the top of their heads, like you're just you know your first reaction is whoa, and but yeah the stories that they were telling, I mean I, I literally could have sat there all day <laughs> and just listened to them, and they would have got they would have kept going. So 
Sure. So we. So that being said, I know I there we go with the squirrel um, bit <laughs> moment there. But so when when somebody when when I find out that I have to interview some somebody again, it's usually because we're either growing or because you know we've had to let somebody go or you know somebody is yep. moving to be with their their family, whatever. But there's an immediate sense of dread in a manager because now I have to stop working on projects that are probably very, very important. And now I have to focus on filling the slot with a warm body, like you said. So a good yeah. manager is thinking, I need to find a good person. But a manager who's crushed for time, and, and not necessarily a bad manager, but just crushed for time, is going to go for that whole warm body scenario. Um, now, as a, So my question to you is, as a, an applicant... Yep. Is there, do you find that, that they've shared with you, you know, you, you have such a following of assistants and other auxiliaries. Have they ever shared with you, you know, what got them the job? Like what was their slam dunk? Yeah, you know, I, I talked to uh, quite a few young assistants. Um, the, the town where I live here in Colorado has four dental assisting schools just in this one town. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, and so it's been interesting to kind of pick their brains as they've progressed, uh, you know, and I've gotten to know know the teachers, know the students, and then know them as they finally enter professional life. And one thing that I've heard constantly is that it's not a mail-in, uh, I'm going to mail my resume to you. It's actually that they walk in with it and they make eye contact. Mm-hmm. Now that was something that they felt was very important. Is that there because that, that adds that personal nature. You're not just a name. All of a sudden, there's a face attached with it, and so they they said that that was a key for a lot of them was just getting in. And and also, whenever they walked in, they got kind of a sense of the practice as well. They could tell if it was you know a forward thinking practice. Did it have a, a nice energy to it? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Did the front desk person put up the finger, you know, the the one finger, not the middle finger, but the one <laughs> finger, you know, while he or she was on the phone, you know, I mean, just little things like that. It was a way for them to get a feel for the office just as much as vice versa. So feeling like you you already have this camaraderie, you know, it's almost like they, they, they kind of tip their hands uh, yeah. before, you know, when they come in. And it's the same... It's the same for the manager. I mean, when they when we when we walk in when we have somebody walk in for an interview, there is definitely a um, there's a quick assessment that's being done, and and what and I think on both parts, of course. But what here's what's interesting: we try to talk ourselves into saying, well, we shouldn't judge a book by its cover, and a lot of times that's true. But interviewing, I don't think you can help it, can you? I mean, just making that that quick first assumption. Well, and, and think about just you walking down the street or you at the fair or in an airport or wherever you might be that you're around other people. You make a pretty quick judgment of people, you know, just in those few seconds. And psychology text tells us, I think it's what, seven seconds is what we need to get a feel for whether we're going to like somebody or not or whether we want to be around that person or not. And so, yeah, there, there's a lot of psychology going on to it, but there's also a lot of... Again, I, I think it's a two-way street. I think that not only you as a manager are getting to a feel for the assistant, but vice versa as well. And there's times that it's not going to take you long to feel like, oh, this no, this isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so if yeah, yeah, I'm just remembering yeah. now some of the people who have walked in and, and thought they were, you know, dressed appropriately or oh yeah. 
oh. you know, s- smelled appropriately. That's another thing. Um. <laughs> well, you know, we we you know we we talked in our last po- last podcast a little bit about millennials and kind of the bad rap that they get. But I also think that you know, if you think back to your first job interview. You know, and I, I think back to mine. Oh my God, I was a hot mess. You know, I mean, you know, <laughs> Wait, t- ner- well, you got you to share why. I, I want to know well, why. Ner- nervous beyond belief, stumbling over myself. You know, trying to watch every word that I say, and then, uh, you know, realize that you're tongue tying yourself and acting like a c- complete buffoon. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's that's what I remember the most about it. Is I was so self conscious that I actually screwed myself out of any chance to get the position just because oh, I came. Oh, really? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, and as a communications major, when you're sitting there and you're like, hey, you know, that doesn't help me. It really doesn't. So. <laughs> there are some publications that that would fit right in. There, think, so. They're like, can you type? Okay, well, then that's all right. So. <laughs> we like the tone of your grunt. Come on in. You know? Exactly. <laughs> So, no, so, yeah, I remember the first time, uh, you've met my friend Raina. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so Raina and I used to work together. She's out in Aurora, Colorado, and she's probably my one of my very, very closest friends, been friends for an awful long time. She she came in to work, um, she came in for the interview, and I, I was interviewing her along with our doctor, and she came in and she just blew us away with how uh, overly efficient she had, she was in her interview, but also just an enjoyable person. She came in and she had a huge smile on her face, first of all, which, you know, I'm not like the biggest blow sunshine up my skirt type person, but, you know, <laughs> to see that, you know, just coming in, she, it just, it already put me at ease. Yeah. Um, and then also she asked questions because she, she, she had her own requirements for coming to work for someone. She, she needed to make sure it was a good fit for her, and she was dressed very nicely. She was, assisted, she was uh, interviewing for the assistant position, and she had on just a really, I mean, it wasn't an expensive outfit, but she looked put together. She looked like she cared about her appearance. And, and for a long time, I really held that up, and I still do, I think, as the standard for you know what somebody should act like when when they come in for a position, whether it's assistant or hygienist, um, yeah. what would you? So uh, this list is going to be fun. What immediately would disqualify someone from from getting a job? I I, I think just uh, in now my opinion, and then I'm going to flip it back on you. Obviously, is uh, just you know you said the dress made a difference. The mm-hmm. the overall feel of that person, the professionalism, you know. It goes back to you're hiring a healthcare professional if you boil it all down. And so somebody that you're going to be worried about dressing, you know, and we could get into the whole tats and piercings thing, you know, at mm-hmm. some point too, which sure. uh, that, that's a whole other subject. But, you know, there's there's a lot of things that make you come across as professional. And I, I think that it's professional in action as well as, uh, you know, I've seen misspellings in resumes. I've seen poor use of English, you know, and, sure. and again, this is a person who's going to be communicating why somebody should get that crown or should have an implant done. And so you have to have faith in that person to be able to communicate and for that patient to have faith that oh, this is a professional talking to me. And again, assistant, hygienist, dentist, I don't care. You're all healthcare professionals and you all have to communicate and put off that professional tone. Now, what about you? Well, you know, when you were talking about the, the language issue, so... Um I think, and, you know, all my love to the, the assistants that I've worked with in the past, you know, Raina is a different person. I mean, I, I just enjoyed working with her so much. But the, 
the, I think the best assistant that I've ever worked with was a, a girl named Lita. Um, and she was, she was uh, Hispanic and sometimes her language, it, it's, it's not like she just, you have sometimes you're searching for the right word and, and other, I mean, she can communicate fine. She had great, great skills, but you could tell that there were a couple times where she was searching for the word. Um, when you, when we're talking about language skills, you can, you don't have to have English as a first language. No. I think the attitude makes up for that. Like if you're saying it with a smile and you're saying it very caring, you're going to have your patient's going to forgive that clarity because you're you're trying. Now, of course, the clarity when it comes to treatment is important, but I don't want anyone to think, well, I need to hire a perfect English major in order to work. That's not that's not the way. I, I mean, you can't. Uh, although, you know, are there a lot of English majors that are looking for jobs in the dental field? I mean, what do you do with an English major? Well, uh, you you come you start writing. You know, you do blogs. You you do yeah. things. Yeah, I'm not sure that you're you're looking for that, but you know, I I think that you know even if you're not an English major, there's 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 certain ways that people communicate, and and again, you know, one thing that that I hear, and I want to get your thoughts on this, is that you know more and more um, hirers, shall we say, are looking at social media profiles as well to really learn a little bit more about this person. Yeah, yeah. You know, how are you communicating and what are you saying and what are your beliefs and does that fit into our core, core culture? You know, I mean, that's, that's definitely something to be thinking about as well. You you can see that on social media. Um, you can definitely see it in one of the Facebook groups and, of course, I, gosh, there's so many of them so I can't remember exactly which one. Somebody actually posted a picture of the person's social media uh, p- p- a profile and it, you know the girl like just had a mean mug on. She didn't look very pleasant or anything like that. And then, oh, there we go. <laughs> you know, you hear that? But, well, yeah. Whenever you know, and, and and that's a great point. You don't want to bark at somebody. You know, <laughs> I, I think that's a great point being brought up back there. Yes, you don't. Thank you, Griffin. Do do not bark. <laughs> Do not bark in an interview. So I've just made peace with the fact that these dogs are just going to be a part of the podcast. So, um, <laughs> so, uh, gosh, I lost my train of thought. Isn't that awful? Well, you were talking about social media profiles. Right, and, right, right, right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So we saw this this one profile, and they posted the picture. And, I mean, she's identifiable, and she's in the dental field, so I'm sure somebody forwarded it to her. But the, the caption on the post was, because it was a crazy – uh, she she had said something crazy in her post, and, and the person who posted it said, you know, would you hire this person? You know, I go to research them, uh-huh. and geez, here it goes. So there's a couple things wrong right there. First of all, somebody has a social media post up that doesn't pass the sniff test. So, you yeah. know, it get, already you're disqualified before you even get to the office, or you're not even going to get that, that interview because you've already put some, something that just looks odd. So, yeah. Okay, so there's that. Then the other part is you've got managers who really should not be looking at social media pages. You know, you should not be investigating like that. But let's be honest and let's be real. And here's my disclaimer. We are not HR people. No. Everybody does it, though. I mean, when you get a friend request or when you hear about somebody, what's the first thing we all do, right? We go and and stalk them a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm not going to accept a... A LinkedIn or a Facebook request. No, this is just me. I don't accept those unless they're in the dental field or I've got some connection to them. You know, if you say you're a real estate agent, hmm, not sure how we're connected there. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I feel like it's just going to be a sales pitch. So yeah, absolutely. And and if a little bit of the radar goes off, I don't I don't accept it. Well, and so what 
I guess the takeaway here is that if you're going to be looking for a job, if you're actively looking for a job, you have to present yourself now. Your social media has to be pretty well maintained. Yep. And that's a new normal. I mean, back in the day when you and I were looking for jobs, people would Google us and nothing would come up. But now right. everything that we do is up there. And if your Facebook privacy settings aren't locked down, then you're they're going to see that wet T-shirt contest that you were in last weekend. Yep, it's true. Um, so and and, and and I'm sure you want a link to that in the show notes as well. I you know can't do that for you, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, and, and I do believe that who you are as a person doesn't just flip on and off at five o'clock whenever you walk out the door. I think that you are deep down the same person twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, and so you know employers are going to worry that if they see you out there just pounding you know, and drunk out of your mind on Facebook or, you know, some Instagram post where you're just, you know, who knows what you're doing. You know, right. again, I, I know that, that some of us save our partying for the weekend and at night and everything else, but still at your core, that's who you are. And and if I'm a hirer, that's going to worry me a little bit. If I'm depending on you to present cases for me, as part of my business, and this is how you're presenting yourself in public, yeah, I'm a little nervous about that. So, so that's a harsh reality, and you know, I think when you go and listen to a lot of um, motivational courses or HR courses, you're you're going to hear the the bottom line of you shouldn't really be doing that, you shouldn't investigate people, but you know, since the the goal of this podcast is to tell you things that nobody else is going to tell you, um, don't don't say nobody told you that we we do. Managers do look at those social media profiles, um, and you know, and I don't do the hiring anymore, so I I can't be held accountable for that anymore. The statute of limitations has passed. Don't come at me. But I will tell you that most of the the managers that I work with and know, they're absolutely going to go to Facebook. They're absolutely going to go to Twitter and, and see what they can do. They're going to Google the heck out of you. So if you're looking for a job, go on to go to the library and get a fresh browser. Um, open up, you know, uh, the other browser you don't use and do a search for yourself, you know, not in your regular browser and see what comes up and then clean it. You know, do a yeah. cleaning session of your social media. Um, if you think about... Uh, you watch? Did you watch uh, Pulp Fiction, Kevin? You've seen that movie? Oh yeah, absolutely. You got to yeah. bring in the wolf. Remember the wolf? The there wolf you go. The cleaner. <laughs> you got to bring in the wolf. You got to wolf we'll your whole um, social media profile so you look, you know, squeaky, squeaky clean. And, and for the other thing too that, that let's just put, peel back the curtain on what a manager thinks. So here's when somebody comes into the office, there are a couple of things that are going to completely. Um, disqualify you and then there are things that are going to count against you so there's there's two different things there so what's going to disqualify you completely is that you have misrepresented yourself um, on your resume so while we're in the in the interview if, if something doesn't match on your resume or you you pull up something that is not disclosed that's I'm done I, I don't have time for this yep. so that's a harsh reality uh, the other thing that's going to put me off is if you come in and you don't look good. You know, not not I'm not talking attractive. I'm just saying put together. Right. Um, right. So it, so that's that. So you have to you have to look good. You have to be um, truthful on your resume and in your work experience. And you have to disclose everything I that is going to need to be disclosed. So. You know, I I am one of the the few social media people who are not social media managers that did not have an issue hiring a pregnant girl. Now, when you talk to 
offices across the country, there is absolutely a lot of thought that, okay, we don't necessarily want to hire a pregnant person because we already are already behind the eight ball, not being fully staffed. Now I don't want to take somebody on that is going to cause me to be less efficient. Um, I, I was always, I, that never really disqualified people for me. I just knew I'd have to plan ahead. Um, I think in one situation that may have weighed a little bit more than it should have, but for the most part, being pregnant wasn't a big deal because I knew that it was, um, it, you know, I, I was not going to hire you to do just that position. I could always cross train you and use you in other positions, and that that seems to have worked out okay. Um, now, in your your travels, have you run into somebody that's been discriminated against because of the the baby factor? Oh sure, yeah. I mean, I, I and it's like you said. There's a lot of folks that that makes them very nervous because then they're going to be right back behind the eight ball again and looking for temporary help. Um, you know, and and it's it's a it's a harsh reality. You know, and it's also one that uh, impacts a lot of young females who are looking for dental assisting jobs because in the back of the mind that's going to be there. Is it right? No. You know, but it's a fact of life. I think. It is. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I do think that that's something that you, you know, you have to overcome a little bit. And, again, I, I think that's where you've got to ramp up your interview game. You've got to ramp up your resume game even more just to get past that little, oh, she doesn't have experience. Oh, she's young. Oh, she might be thinking about a family. I mean, all the thoughts that you're not supposed to think but you still think, uh, you know, and again, it's it's a reality, uh, and I think that it's really important that you've got to have all your, P, you know, as my grandpa always used to say, you got to have your P's and Q's in place, you mm-hmm. know, and be and be ready to move forward. And again, it's language skills, it's resume, it's appearance, it's all those things that come together that say, you know what, I'm a professional, I would fit well in this culture, uh, you know, and and eventually, hopefully, all that can trump any back thoughts there might be. So the the person who is pregnant and is looking for a job, because, you know, once you become pregnant, you still have to, you know, support yourself. So it's amazing how that happens. So if anybody is out there listening and they're saying, well, great, I'm pregnant, I need a job, <laughs> and here's Thanks. Teresa telling me that I'm screwed, that that's not necessarily the case. So if if I were a pregnant woman looking for a job in the dental field and say I come in and I'm Gosh, by three months, I was definitely waddling. I waddled into the office, and what what I would, how I would, I would approach that situation is by saying, acknowledging, of course, the the baby in the room, and just let them know, here's my intentions. After I have the baby, I would like to come back to work in X amount of time. Um, I don't anticipate any schedule changes, and you know, I I know that I'm pregnant. I you can see it right away, but I want you to know that this is not going to affect how valuable valuable yeah. of an employee I am. So so if you are indeed with child, don't I'm not saying this to discourage you, but I think you have to be very realistic about the fact that that employers spend a lot of money hiring the right person and they don't it, they almost see it as throwing money away. But that being said, just talk to them about your worth and what you can bring yeah. to the office and hopefully you can convince them that that you know being pregnant is not not that that big of a deal and you would think this is this is you might find this interesting kevin you would think that male dentists would be a lot more harsh on this but it is not in my opinion and working with lots of female dentists the female dentists are actually more 
harsh on this than males are. Is that does that surprise you? A little bit. I got to be honest. Yeah, because I would think there'd be a lot of uh, compassion and been there, done that, maybe mentality. And I think it's the flip side of that been there, done that. What I what I see is, okay, well, she thinks she's going to come back to work in 10 weeks or six weeks or whatever, but I know what it was like. It was rough for me. Um, so so there's it, it is that, that compassion and that I know what she's going to go through, but that works, it, to me, I see it work in the opposite direction. And, uh, you know, if I had a bad pregnancy, then I'm going to naturally think, okay, well, she says six weeks. Yeah, she's crazy because sure. I was out for 12 weeks. Uh, so I, that is where that's where I see it coming from, and, and I've definitely heard it. So um, again, we don't know the future, though. I mean, you you really could be out for twelve weeks. You could have complications, and I think that's what employers don't want to roll the dice with. Right, and and I think that you know again, you know, we we all say that we don't have preconceived notions about somebody, but we we do. You know, and, and I think that if you had a problem with your pregnancy, yeah, you may look at pregnancies a different way. You know, if you had an issue in the past with a dentist, yeah, you may look at dentistry in a whole new light. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's there, all of us have a little bit of a backstory that kind of shades how we view the future. And and I think it's really important that if you're a, a candidate that, again, you, you've got to have your game plan in place. Yeah, if you're pregnant, you need to really say, look, I've thought about this. This is what I'm going to do. I don't want to be a stay-at-home mom. I want to be back at this time. I know that this is important to you. It's important to me as well. I'm going to need to feed my family. You know, I mean, just, I mean, really think about what is your game plan and how are you going to communicate. You know, and I love how you said the baby in the room, but, it, you know, it's not like you're going to be able to hide it. Right. And, and you don't want, and, and, I, I will say this: Don't hide anything during the interview process because the worst thing that can happen is you get hired, and then two weeks later something comes up that should have been disclosed in the interview process, and because then then it's really is kind of a blackball situation. That's really going to be hard for you to to get a job somewhere else. Well, and especially if you're in a small town. I mean, if you're in yes. a small town, they they talk. And uh, just a point of fact, I was. At the uh, latest, uh, my latest speech was at the Adam chapter in Vegas, and we were talking about, you know, how we know everybody in the area, and, and right in the middle of it, somebody piped up and was talking about, oh, I've got this resume from this girl, and you just need to know if you see her come across your desk, uh. and she said the girl's name, and she said, she said, I wouldn't hire her, she's shady, and it, I was like, whoa, right in the middle of a, you know, a yeah. lecture, you just blew this girl out of the water, and, but I guarantee you, if, if I were... A sitting manager sitting in that room, I would have come up to her later and said thank you for that because oh, that, that, yeah, yeah. I mean she's she's doing you a solid by giving you a heads up, but this poor girl who's not even in there to defend herself now is probably not going to get a job in the future because the word has spread and that that is what nobody is going to tell you is that yep. y- you know they will discriminate you uh, uh, when they shouldn't and discrimination if it's not proven and it's not documented. It didn't happen, and that's what I think a lot of office managers do is they don't they, – they go, okay, I'm not going to write this down, but, you know, heck no. Or they make little comments or little little code on the, the uh, interview sheet, you know, this is not the right person to hire. We had our whole set of codes as an as a, uh, um, interview team. My, my doctor and I had a whole set of codes. We, we always wanted to know were they on time, did they present well, um, did they look okay, did they – any issues with hygiene – you know, we had our own little code set up there, so don't don't give anyone any reason to write down that code. Is really what the bottom line is, is for that. 
now, to just continue on with this, so so I gave you what I thought was were immediate disqualifiers. So what are some things that would count against you but not necessarily disqualify you? To me, um, giving snarky answers is not necessarily a disqualifier, but it's going to make me take a harder look because I don't know if you're being snarky or if you're being nervous. So there's yep. a difference between that. Now, the more interviews you do, the more uh, you get, you can tell the difference. But when you're a fresh dentist out of school or you're a brand new manager and you don't have hundreds of interviews under your belt, it's, it's hard to be thrown for a loop. Have you ever met anyone that you thought on the surface was just you know, awesome, boom, I want to work with this person, and then they completely disappointed you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I've had friends like that. You know, I, I think we can all think back to some relationship that we've had where you think you know that person, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, you, you aren't who I thought you were. And, mm-hmm. and again, that it's disappointing on a personal level, and it's certainly disappointing on a professional level, because then you have two choices. You're like, do we just grit our teeth and get through this every day? Do we have a hard conversation knowing that that may just be their personality and they're not going to change? Or do we start over from square one? You know? Uh, I mean, you know, it, it it really does put things in a difficult bind for a, for not only the two people involved in that, but then also the, the business as a whole because then, yeah, you're dealing with Okay, let's sit down and work through this, or well, let's sit down. And we've got to interview again, and and that's that's tough on all levels. Yeah. So and uh, the and then you know if I have to if you're like the fourth or fifth interview in a row, you I'm exhausted. I I don't really. I just want you to be nice. I want you to present well. Sure. I'm probably going to be a little bit harder on you than I was the first two. So there's a pro tip for you. If you are going in for an interview, it's okay for you to ask. You know, will there be anybody interviewing at the same time or around the same time? You know, and if you hear that you're the fourth interview that day, I, I may want to reschedule. I may I may consider doing a different day and being the first on the list because, yeah. you know, there is interview fatigue. I mean, you get tired of hearing the same thing over and over again. Everybody's got, everybody's detail-oriented. Everybody's punctual. Everybody has, uh, can get along with everybody. They're, every applicant um, knows HIPAA and OSHA. Every applicant knows your software inside out. And so you get really tired of hearing the same thing over and over again. Um, you, you have to be really put yourself out there and, and be different. Um, oh, so, I know what I, I know. Oh, go ahead, Kevin. Well, well let me ask you then. How, if, if it's the fourth interview of the day and I walk in and you're like, oh, dear God, here we go again, how do I make myself stand out? I mean, what, what at that point in the day really is going to jump out to you as a manager? Uh, if you are able to make me laugh, if you uh, you know crack a joke, even if it's a bad joke, I'm going to appreciate the fact that you're you're giving me some levity there. I'm also going to appreciate that you are acknowledging. Oh, you know, am I your fourth or fifth interview? I, I may say, for me, because you know I like to joke about everything. I would say, oh, I'm your fourth interview. All right, I got to really blow this out of the water, don't I? You know, I would make a joke of it. Yeah. Um, kind of, you just got to knock them out of the fuzz that they have. Yeah of interviewing over and over and over again. It's like doing a, a cleaning for a hygienist. You know, you hope that the next patient coming in is going to be a little bit more interesting than the last person that you saw. That's, yeah. I mean, I think I, I think I know hygienists well enough to say that that really is the, the concern. <laughs> um, so the other, the other part of it too is, is if you, um, 
if you articulate your thoughts really well in the interview, I'm, I'm going to be very impressed. And I'm going to think that that translates into having good conversations with patients. Uh, there, there are a lot of people who are good at giving you the stock answers that they've given, but if you give them different questions, you tend to get different answers. Um, there is this whole way of thinking of not doing the regular question and answer, but doing what we call behavioral-based interviews. Um, are you familiar with this term, behavioral-based interviews? I've heard of it, yes. Okay. So so for the listeners out there, you know, I, I would look into this, and this is something that most HR classes um, are going to go over, but it, basically instead of asking them, uh, are you detail-oriented, are you on time, you give them different situations. So you would ask somebody, you know, okay, patient came in late, and you you still have 10 minutes because before your drill comes out of the autoclave, you're running behind. Um, how do you fill in that time? What do you do with the patient? And then you sit back and you let the patient, you let the interviewee answer the question. Now, that's, go ahead. No, I, I said that's good. I think that that's an interesting way to do it. Uh, you know, and you know, you you remember whenever you and I did the uh, the escape room? Oh God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, and, and so you have an hour to get out of there, and, and it really is one of those how are you going to do this things, and and each of us that were in there brought a different piece to the puzzle, I think. But yeah. I, I think that that's interesting to almost look at it as an escape room mentality in the interview process as well. This happens. What do you do? You know, I think that's pretty interesting. That's hilarious, actually. The escape room. Are you in an escape room mentality where you just do anything you can to just get the heck out of the room? Like, <laughs> like just let me out of this room. And, and that that was a really fun exercise. You know, if anybody out there is looking for a group exercise for their team, taking your team to an escape room. And I know yeah. you can do. You know, if you've got like a big team, you can do two different rooms at the same time or whatever. Turn it into a contest, and you'll really see like how your team gels. How do they work well together? Um, and we weren't even, it's, it was just a bunch of friends that we went. We didn't work with, yep. go with any coworkers, but, um, oh my gosh, how, how fun is that? So, oh yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know how many people I've told about that. Just that, you know, you, I, I learned things about everybody in there pretty quickly. You know, what was their strengths? What was their weaknesses? And, and again, you know, you each kind of bring something different to the table and, you know, What's what's a piece in your practice that maybe you don't have and you'd like to have? You know, maybe that's something to look at in these interviewees as well. Uh, you know, and you know, yeah, I, I I thought it was a pretty interesting thing, and and uh, I've I've told you know my wife and my daughter and about anybody else. I'm like, yeah, we need to go do an escape room, you know, because uh, it's interesting to see uh, the personalities come through with that. Oh, we should totally do that. We'll have to do that next time yeah, yeah. we come out to Colorado. We'll we'll do go do an escape room. That'd be awesome. So, and then hopefully we are still friends afterwards. So we'll. Well, I, I'm sure we will. You know, nobody, I will say, nobody in our group did the fetal position in the middle of the room and just started screaming, get me out. So I, I, think, it was, I think it was a success. Oh, you must have been turned around for a good amount of time because that is exactly <laughs> what I was doing. I just get me the heck out of here. But okay. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the, the interview. Um, actually, you know what? Let's, let's go back a minute. So say somebody comes in. And they're introducing themselves to you. Um, so you are the employee, Kevin, uh, yep. or the potential employee. Um, what do you think the one thing is that you do when you first meet me that's going to make me just want to march you back out of the room? What do you think? I, I, I think it's no eye contact. I think it's chewing gum while you talk. Uh, or, uh, 
I, uh, you I don't. I put you on the spot. Yeah. You do. L- lamp handshake? I don't know. Yes, I don't know that's going. it. That's is it? Okay. That's All right. It. There you, you go. If you, if you don't wet noodle me, don't, just don't do it. Don't do it. If I want a wet noodle, you know, I've got I've got pasta at home. Don't do it. So work on your handshake. And if you're thinking, well, how am I going to work on my handshake? I can't just shake my own hand. You've got people all around you all the time. You know, get yourself some hand sanitizer and just shake hands with people because there are so many times when I've shaken someone's hand, shook someone's hand, shaken someone's hand. And, yeah. and it has been just, you know, I almost... It's all I can do to not just look, hold on to the hand, look them in the eye, and just say, this is how you do it. Like, I just want to do that sometimes. <laughs> so it, isn't it gross to get a limp handshake, don't you yeah, think? Yeah, it is. It is. It, it, that's very off-putting to me, and, and the lack of eye contact is pretty off-putting to me as well. You know, I'm yeah. like, whenever we first meet, if you can't look me in the eye and shake my hand, something's going on. And, and honestly, those are the two pretty key indicators right there, at least for me from a guy's standpoint. So, so what what's going on in those situations are um, they're too te- they're too timid, right? Or yep. you've got something in your teeth, so now you're making me nervous and thinking I've got something <laughs> in my teeth. This is the mind of a manager. I'm pulling back the curtains and letting you people hear what's going <laughs> on. <laughs> so, I, I definitely would love for you to work on your handshake. It makes a difference. First impressions, you know. Don't breathe on me with that breath. You know, brush your oh. teeth before you come in. Um, I think that goes across the board, but I don't think enough people hear that, especially the people who fly next to us, Kevin, on the, on the yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so, so somebody that comes in, they've nailed the handshake, they've maintained eye contact, they have uh, sat down, they're not wearing anything that's kind of crazy, they're answering my questions wonderfully. Um, I'm excited. We kind of we go through a tour of the office. Um, the other thing that is going to drive someone crazy, uh, drive a potential hire, hiree horror, crazy, is if I'm giving you a tour through the office and all you can talk about is what you do at your other office. So, oh, that's cool that you do it here. Well, in our office we do this. Yeah. In our office we do that. I, well. I'm not interested that much in your office at this point. I'm interested in you and what do you think of this office and, you know, are you familiar with this machine but don't turn it into a story of, yeah, I did this and I did that. So, Because I know if you mention, if you say the magic words, well, in my office, if you That's say true. those magic words during the interview, I know you're going to say that a million times the first week that we hear you, we hire you, and someone is going to want to throw you off the bridge. I, I can guarantee yeah. you. It may be me or it may be the coworkers. There's, think about the last really annoying person that came into your job. They probably talked either about how great they were or how uh, they did somewhere that, else, and it's just annoying. That um, that is my pet peeve. If all you can do is talk about how great you are, and and you don't have any time to talk about anything else or anybody else, yeah, we're done. Honestly, I'm, I'm not going to be able to hang out with you very long at all. It's uh, yeah, and, and you know, as a as a hiring manager, you want the person to talk about themselves, but there is a way. For them to talk about themselves, it's informative and not necessarily just annoying. So we're we're not looking to be annoyed. We're we're looking to be impressed. And so keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's not it's really not that hard to get past the first interview with me. You really just have to present yourselves well, have good answers. Um, if you're nervous, admit that you're nervous. If you're stumbling over your answers, then it's you know I respect the one who says to me. 
you know what, give me a second. Let me just think about this for a second. And I, you know, I can doodle on my page while you gather your thoughts. I'd rather you think through the, the question and give me a real solid answer than to try to just BS your way through it. Um, you know, we can smell a BS or a mile away. I mean, I'm sure oh, yeah. you can. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, if, if you're a BSer during the interview, you're going to be, a, and again, it's a personality trait, you're going to be a BSer with the patient. You're going to be a BSer when something goes wrong in the practice. And that's not who I want on my team, personally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I want somebody who's going to tell me the truth and accept responsibility if something goes wrong, and then we learn from it and we move on. Absolutely. Now, so if there is, so let's keep going with the, the progression here. So say you make it through the interview process, then what I need to do is I need to check your references. So uh, I, I will, that's when the, the, the stalking goes on on Facebook that you don't think happens. Yep. That's yep. absolutely when that starts. And then we take a look at your profile. So I, I hope that most assistants and auxiliary members, uh, receptionists, have a LinkedIn profile. Um, I, I will look for that. I will look to see if they've got that. I see that as a, I see that as the mark of a professional. Uh, do you think though a lot of office team members think that that's a way to go? I mean, do you hear anybody saying I don't need to do that? I mean, what's the word on LinkedIn from the uh, clinical side? Well, the word the word that I hear on LinkedIn is that it's often an overlooked thing. You know, the the next generation that's coming up are they're snappers. You know, it's Snapchat, it's Instagram. You know, Facebook isn't as popular. Uh, you know, it it wasn't the day, but now that's where all of us old fogies are at, so they don't, you know, <laughs> that's not where they go. Uh, you know, snapping Instagram, things like that. I don't know that LinkedIn is really looked at as well as it should be. Uh, you know, again, I think if you're looking for a job and you want to be a professional, then absolutely you should be on the professional uh, social media platform as well. And, and again, it's a professional photo. It's, it's really taken, it's not you at the beach going, woo, you know, I mean, it really is, this is how you want to present yourself, not only to employers, but also to patients who are looking to you for advice or that confidence that what they're doing is really the best thing for them. Well, okay, so, oh, this is interesting, Kevin, because on the administrative side, LinkedIn is pretty popular. Uh, most yep. of the managers that I know and deal with have a profile on LinkedIn. I'm wondering if we just uncovered a difference here that clinical team members maybe don't see the need to have LinkedIn as much as admin team members do. You know, uh, what do you think? I, I will, well, I will tell you. I am so I've I've become I've, I tried to put myself out there as kind of the dental assistant guy on LinkedIn, and so a lot of what I post are things for dental assistants. I would say that maybe, and this is just a rough estimate, maybe I've had 50 LinkedIn requests to connect from people who are dental assistants. And that's 50 out of an estimated, what, 300,000 dental assistants who are out there? Wow. So, you know, and, it, and it's not that I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. I'm not saying that. But, it, but I also have been surprised it hasn't been more whenever my whole message is dental assistant, dental assistant, dental assistant, and trying to get that out there. So I, I do think that we've uncovered a little bit of something here that, again, if you're wanting to be viewed as a, a healthcare professional, you need to be on the professional uh, social media platform, and you need to promote yourself as a professional as well. And and one thing that off puts me more than anything, Teresa, is the word just. 
Mm. I'm I'm just a dental assistant. Well, I'm just a student. Well, I'm just getting started. Eliminate that from your vocabulary. You're not just anything. You are the or you are a. You're not Mm. just. Because that's demeaning yourself not only in your own mind but in the mind of whoever's interviewing as well, I would think. That's powerful. And, I, I, you know, it, it's, it sounds like it's a uh, kind of a, a cliché to, to hear. You know, we, we, it's just something that we say. But uh, that's powerful. I, I hear all the time in classes, well, I'm just the receptionist. I'm, you know, yeah. I'm just the office manager. I'm not the wife. I'm just the office manager. And that, that word just, really, I mean, that's just, that's just chips away at the foundation, your own self-esteem, founda- the foundation of Absolutely. that, I think. Yeah, yeah if, if you're spouting that, I I pick up immediately that you've got a self confidence issue, and and that you you really don't believe that you have power in the position that where you're at, uh, whether it's personal or professional, and so that's one thing that I have told my daughter, who's now 19. I mean, for a long time, I said, don't ever introduce yourself as just anything. You are the, you are a, you know, don't make sure that you in your own mind have that power. Don't demean yourself. Yeah, Julia is no just. She is, she is the person. I mean, Julia, she's a rock star. You got a rock star daughter there. <laughs> she, she's, a, she's a great kid, you know, but I, I always want to make sure that, you know, I, I think that and, and, you know, I'm biased, obviously, and, and uh, you know, and, and thank you for saying that, but I always want her to see herself that way as well. And I, and I think that eliminating that word from a vocabulary goes a long ways toward that. I agree with you. I agree with you. That's I, I think that whole difference with uh, clinical and administrative and the way they see LinkedIn, I, that, I really had never thought of it that way. But now that I am thinking back to all the, the context, I get a ton of requests from doctors and I get a ton from office managers. Uh, but yeah, not that many from assistants. That's really that's yeah. really interesting. So when I take a look at your LinkedIn profile, you know, I I will hopefully you'll have a picture. Hopefully you'll have you know your list of accomplishments. Now um, there's a lot of social a lot of HR people that will say you know just taking a look at the picture you could easily discriminate based on the picture. And I just you know I think in this day and age you are who you are, and that's I, I don't think you could be afraid of that. No. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I mean if, if, that, if that's going to cost you an interview, that may not be where you want to work anyway. Uh, yeah, I, I think you could take out that may not be. You don't. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to work there. You don't want to work there. Just you. You sidestepped a, a bullet there. Um, so the last part of this before we we bring it on home is is the whole um, afterwards. I'm taking a look at your social media. I, I if I'm going to um, hear from you in the form of a thank you, that's really going to blow me away because that does not happen nowadays. So send an email that just says, you know, thank you for your time. I look forward to hearing from you. Um, Send that thank you email. It takes you two seconds to send it. And that makes a difference because that, you will stand out from 80% of the competition because nobody sends thank you emails anymore. You're right. So that's, that's a quick and easy way to impress them. Now, the final step is I'm going to, as a manager, take a look at your references. And so you better have those. And if you're fresh out of, of high school or college and you don't really have a work experience, you know, acknowledge that right away, too. You know, maybe you have a, a clergy member or some sort of community um, project you were part of. But you need to have references that I'm going to call and they're going to, you know, rave about you. Not too much because then I'm going to think they're paid off. But they're going to be impressed by you. Uh, I, I think that's uh, something that we, we don't think about. You know, we don't 
have a good time asking people to rave about us. Uh, and, but I think it's important to have somebody who's going to go to bat for you when somebody calls on the references. Absolutely. And, and these need to be folks that aren't family members. They're not friends. They're, they're actually people who could say, yeah, he or she was a good, uh, you know, a good dental professional and here's why. Yeah. Mm, exactly. Exactly. So I, I'm hoping that we, uh, gave you some tips on how to, number one, be a good interviewer, but also anticipate and be, be interviewed well. You know, anticipate questions that just aren't the run of the mill. Put yourself in some, some weird situations that you've been in and, and then ask yourself, how would I describe or explain my reactions during this situation? You know, if you go out to seat the patient before the room is turned over, I, I want to know what you're thinking. Maybe you're thinking just to get the ball rolling. Maybe you're thinking to help out somebody in another operatory. I need to know what you're thinking. So it's a, it's a little bit more creative than just going in and filling out a, a job application. Yeah, and, and you know, there's a lot more to it, and there's and and I think that there's a lot of things that have to be put in ahead of time. I think you have to be mentally focused on it. I think that you've got to to really have all those ducks in a row, and you know, make sure that you, whenever you walk through that door, you have mentally prepared yourself to present yourself the best possible way. And I, I think that that's the biggest piece of advice I can give to any any assistant out there is don't overthink it, but you have to think about it. So what? So we heard how you blew your first interview. What was your first yeah. job, Kevin? What was your uh, first job? My first real job. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first real job was. Oh boy! Wow. Let's think back to this. I was actually the assistant sports information director at the University of Tulsa mm. uh, for a couple of years. Uh, yeah, because I, I have a sports background, and that's you know long story there. But uh, yeah, how about you? Uh, so I was my very first job was as a uh, office clerk in a rehab center. So I was doing a whole bunch of filing and taking care of a lot of the back office stuff. And so, yeah, I started out uh, in me- in medicine. And uh, but my best job, hands down, other than of course with my boss of twenty years, my yeah. best job ever was I worked at a record store. That was oh. Gosh, those days. I miss those days. Um, we're going to have to talk and, and about that, that stuff. Um, you know, the real joys of working, because there were some things that happened there that just made it a great workplace, but in <laughs> legislative terms and regulatory terms, it, oh, yeah. they could have been shut down, you know, for some of the stuff that <laughs> happened there. Um, but so you said your first real job was... Was that what? Did, what do you mean by what is your first not real job? Like, what's your first kind of well, real yeah, job? You know, I had summer jobs. I worked at a water park. You know, I I, I, I hauled away tires to a dump. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, summer stuff that you kind of look back on. You're like, well, you know, I just did it between school. But the actual thing where you you did the interview and you walk in and you're all nervous and and all that. Yeah, that was my first real job. I would say. Oh, okay, okay. Well, so you just did like stuff around the neighborhood to. Get your, oh, yeah. your, your, I guess, girl girl dollars because you needed money exactly. to take your girls that, out, that was, right? That was why you worked at the water park. So you got the tan while you, uh, you know, prepped and uh, and got some money that you could actually go to a movie or whatever. Absolutely. Uh, this is a little terrifying. You know, Noah's uh, part-time job right now is he's a lifeguard. See? Um, oh, yeah. 
you know, when when he gets home, you know, him and my son will be my husband, my son, my husband will be talking, and inevitably he'll say something about, oh, there was this really cute girl at the pool, and that's my yeah. cue to leave. That's uh, you know, I don't yeah. I don't necessarily want to hear my husband and my son talking about the cute girl at the pool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we always uh, we always call them wave pool walkers. Uh, they're at the beautiful Big Splash Water Park in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yes, wave, wave uh, pool walkers. <laughs> you know, they never actually get in the pool; they just walk around in their bikinis. So, yeah. <laughs> someone, someone has to do it, right? Someone exactly. Has to do God it. bless them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, Kevin, again, thanks for your, your insight and for teaching us that there is something called a wave pool walker. I had no idea. <laughs> there you um, go. I'll always enjoy the chat, my friend. Yep, yep. So to everyone listening, uh, make sure you hit the subscribe button. You want to continue receiving this podcast. We're having a lot of fun. I, I hope you are, too. If you like what you hear, please share it with a friend or on Facebook and Twitter, whatever the social media uh, places that you live in, uh, what they, whatever they may be. If you're on LinkedIn, maybe you're going to check in, check in uh, on LinkedIn after this. Uh, feel free to share us there. Connect with both of us there on LinkedIn. You know, look for Teresa Duncan and Kevin Henry. And remember, our goal is to give you the info you need so that you don't have to say, nobody told me that. Subscribe to this podcast so you'll get our next candid discussion. Visit Teresa's website, odysseymgmt.com. That's odysseymgmt.com for more information on Teresa's courses, books, and speaking schedule. Subscribe to her newsletter while you're there. Don't say we didn't tell you that.